good morning, good morning. Good morning. I don't know about you, but I'm exactly where I want to be right now. We're here to praise the Lord, uh, to reach new heights in Jesus. That is to say, to look, we hope, deeply into the things of God, and then there find how God wants to work in us, and allow Him to do that. We'll do that through His Word, we'll do that through the music that we sing, we'll do that through our time together, we'll do it through prayer. Um, it's the last Sunday in January. We thought 2020 would never end, and now the month of January has blown by very quickly. Um, there are a number of things that individual members are still working on, issues they're going through, spiritual struggles and physical struggles, and so I encourage you to lift one another up, encourage you to engage in acts of kindness and love. Remember right now, actually, that our spiritual discipline through the month of May, uh, in May, by the way, May 22nd, we will have been constituted as a church for five years, May 22nd. Woo! I can't, I can't believe it. I'm blessed to, to have been part of it. We've been here for five years as a church constituted. Obviously, we've been going a lot longer than that. Um, and we might talk about that at our anniversary day, celebration, whatever it is we decide to do exactly. Um, but praise God, five years constituted. It's flying by. I, I guess maybe the closer we get to Jesus returning, the faster things will seem to move. That's what it feels like to me anyway. And so we were very blessed to be able to help a lot of folks and um, to worship together. And uh, in pandemic, or out of pandemic, under persecution, I hope, or out of persecution, I hope more, <laughs> we will be here and worshiping the Lord and praising God for it. I do want to share with you uh, some requests. These are folks in the neighborhood. Um, so for several weeks now we've been doing it, and the whole hope is to do it every week. But um, these are names and addresses of folks in the neighborhood. Matthew and Jennifer Thomas of 1968 Kelsey. We're working our way down Kelsey, continuing down until we get... Uh, the edge of the area that probably the God has given us. The computer decides, I don't decide whose name it's called. And then Jamie Hinckley, who lives at 1962 Kelsey, and Judy Mason, who also lives at 1962 Kelsey, and then Tracy Nichols, who lives at 1956 Kelsey. I actually know that person. So Tracy, if you happen to be watching this today, which, or maybe I'll mention it to you, you can hear us pray for you. Uh, James Williams, who lives at 1956 Kelsey. And then uh, uh, as we open a prayer, I'll add the suggested prayer that comes with it. Do remind you that this is something that we all are encouraged to participate in. This is Bless Every Home. We have about eight of us that have signed up. And so the New Heights version, and one day maybe we'll do that, like during the inspirational reading, so you can be inspired like that. But the New Heights uh, version of Bless Every Home, we can actually see our various lights that people have signed up to pray. And you're living in the light, right? So we can see how many times you've actually prayed. Uh, not that we're going to show that to the whole church or anything, but I encourage you, once you sign up, to actually pray for those folks. Also, you can make a note under each person's name if you talk to them or get a specific prayer request for them. It lets you track all that. And then you can have added, and we're trying to add that for folks that give us access, but we're trying to have added the names and addresses of people in the church, so the families of church. So you can pray for the actual families, and they'll come up in rotation just like the others. This is the 250 nearest folks that live to this building here in East Toledo. Uh, all, and I don't think it goes, I, interestingly enough, I don't think it goes into Oregon, but I think it does all of the houses around us in Toledo. So that's pretty interesting. And this will be given to us then as a church, and then you get your own stuff for your own neighborhood and also for church families to pray for them. So if you are set up to pray on Saturdays, because this is from yesterday, I did that that way, so I would always have it for Sunday, then you got this suggested prayer for your list yesterday, as I did. Okay? And uh, so I encourage you to sign up. And if you know somebody who is endeared to New Heights, maybe they're not a regular attender or they're not a, a participant or whatever, 
not, we can sign them up to be a light for New Heights, even though they're technically not a member, right? Uh, we can't just go sign anybody up because they're going to get everybody's names and addresses. But we can sign up anybody that really wants to do this and participate, okay? All right. Well, let's pray together. Um, okay. One really kind of important prayer request, and that is that Alicia is, a, is very near to having the baby. Her current schedule is Thursday, right? Thursday evening. Thursday evening. She will finish the process of making a baby, which she's been on for quite a long time now, and she's pretty fed up with it, so for patience and for strength, and um, and then for we're looking for a healthy baby, uh, which as far as we know is a girl, you know, God can be fickle about that, but as far as we know it's no, a girl. It's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> RJ says, absolutely, RJ is putting his foot down, he's not going to, he'll brook no nonsense. Okay, so. My sister already told me something yes. like that. Okay, and then... Um, uh, a healthy girl. Yes, a healthy girl. Okay, Molly has a quick announcement. Yeah, if you have not yet received your giving statement for 2020, we have those today. Please get it before you leave because it's kind of the last day. Okay, awesome. So, let's pray. Father in heaven, you are an awesome and powerful God, a creator God, a God who can be called I am, a God who was before anything was, before anyone was. A God who, um, if it weren't for you making us eternal beings and creating a new heaven and a new earth, you would be alone after all was coming on. For you are holy and great. And we recognize you. We also realize that we, are, we fall far short of being able to truly give you praise the way you deserve. We brought with us today our temptations and distractions, evil spirits, things that we got into, things that we did. Our minds may flash back to other places that we were doing other things that have nothing to do with you. We want to worship you and give you honor. We confess our weakness to you, ask you for forgiveness. Well, we thank you that you've made such provision for your people that you had Jesus die on the cross to pay for sins, all sins, past, present, future, for those who confess his name, believe and receive are cleansed of all unrighteousness. So we come to you today asking you to take the hearts of the people in this room and to make them yours. We want to experience, I guess, we want to think certain things. But the truth is, Lord, what we really desire in our innermost being is to be with you and you in us and you doing your will through us. And we pray, because we believe it will be in this place at this time, that you would just take over all details and make them what you'd have them to be. We thank you that giving goes on. We thank you that procreation and baby making goes on. We thank you that the family and the kingdom of God is growing. Lord, we know that there are those of us who are going through difficulties right now. We can call names, but we pray for us. For your will to be done, your kingdom to come, your provision to be real and seen, powerful. And we admit that you make it purposeful, that there's something that we're supposed to be doing. And so we pray that we'll be about that. And Father, we ask you to put the names of our neighbors in front of us. We ask you to continue to remind us of their needs so that we can seek you on their behalf, because we know there's a lot of folks around us who don't know you, or think they know you, or are making you out to be something you're not. Father, we ask that, as the scripture says, 
Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. That we would fear you and accordingly live loving others. Here in this place, one another, as we go out, everyone everywhere. By your strength and by your power only can this be accomplished. And we praise you for it. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
right, we come to that moment in time where we ask ourselves how the Lord has been speaking, how the Lord has been working, what have you seen, what have you heard. I hope you've been reading your Bibles, I hope you've been praying, maybe uh, listening to sermons, or uh, it's a great time to be, as if there wasn't a great time, but it's a great time to be drawing close to the Lord uh, in this day. And there are a lot of folks that need it, and you might even help facilitate it if you are doing it yourself. Okay? And so I'd ask you today to share with us something that you've seen or something that you've heard, if there is something that comes to mind. Who's got something? I have something. I have a couple of something. So it would be my show. Me show. I have something, but it has to wait. Okay, I'm just going to make up his way. Okay. First up, um, Friday was really good um, during our uh, patient men. I mean, there was a lot of good um, views on people's said. I was here for everyone because this one here, different personalities and different gifts. I mean, you get a lot from one because uh, not everybody said the same thing during verses and. Uh, I picked up a lot there, um, and uh, this week I, you know, considered a good thing or bad thing, but the Lord heavily rebuked me, and I thought it was a good thing, you know, um, really struck, or, uh, struck a nerve, and um, even today, he was just talking about this week, he's going to be very serious, there's some things that the Lord kind of like, put in my will, you, and if you guys want to know, like I said, text me or call me, I'll tell you, I can tell you now, because there's so much there, but um, I've been really reading in Proverbs, and um, there, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, um, it talks about a fool, and um, it's really cool. There's like three different fools. There's a, a fool of ignorance, there's a fool that chooses to be ignored, and um, there's a fool that doesn't know how to change. Because it it's not that they're ignoring it, they're just like, they just, they're addicted, they have something going on, they just they can't change. So there's a lot. And uh, how we cry out to God and that wisdom is for all three fools. I think that's everybody in the whole entire world that deals with stuff like that every day. You know, we, I, I told my son the other day, and I, when I'm talking to my son, I'm talking to me. I know the father's talking to me. And I said, you know, dogs don't move, cows don't bark, and my son's not a fool. And, and so I keep saying the same thing to me. It's like, if, if I'm doing something I'm not, then that's not who I am. That's what I do, but that's not who I really am. A dog's not, you know, it's not going to move because it's not what it is. It's not what it was created for, you know. And so we were created for so much more. I think that's it or something else, but I'm trying to make my word real quick. I told my son. That's good enough for them. Yeah, one of the things that really touched me as we came out of Scripture, not only was it that a lot of folks had a lot of different opinions and things, and we, we actually, I think, got to couple of deeper teachings as a group, which was kind of cool. One of the things that struck me about that, which ties in right with what you were saying, was how um, how easy it is to look at yourself, a significant person in your life, a teacher, I mean, it could be anybody around us, and, and to find fault or to see the negative. It's so easy to do that. And I was asking myself, why is it so easy for us to do that? And... Um, what I've kind of always figured was because there's things wrong, <laughs> you know? So people are blowing it because they are not walking in the image of God. They're not holy and right like God is. And so I kind of was thinking along the lines of how it was easy for me to find fault in other people because there really are faults in everybody. So it's pretty easy to walk around and go, yeah, that person's screwing up this way, that person's screwing up this way. And humbly then say, yeah, but the truth is I'm screwing up too, so I'm not blaming anybody. 
I could say it this way. I could say, Brett, you're all screwed up. But so am I. So, and I thought, after our Bible study on Friday, I was thinking about it and praying about it, and I felt like the Lord sort of led me to the conclusion. It's not easy for us to find fault in others because they have faults. That's not actually true. Because the reality is you kind of see what you know is there, and you kind of see what you want to see. Right? So when you walk through your living room and it's pitch black dark and there's no moonlight coming to the window or whatever, you know where the furniture is. So it's pretty easy for you to walk to the living room. If you might go slow, because you know all well, the, the table's there or whatever, you might kind of go slow, make sure you don't bump into it. Or, but you know it's there because you know what to expect, you kind of know what's there. So it's easy for us to see faults in other people if we want to, but that isn't why we see them. The reason we see faults in other people is because it's one of our faults. One of our faults is the negative side of us that so easily picks out and resonates with all the evil that we see in the world. You know who's telling you that brother so-and-so or your wife is messed up? Who does that? Yeah. Chiefly, Satan. His job is he's an accuser. That's what he does. And so he's taught the evil spirits to accuse other people to you. And when we become an accuser and judge other people, say, well, they don't do this, or they do that wrong, or that's bad, or, oh, they shouldn't have done that. That's an accusation. Even if it's true, it's still an accusation, right? So the part of us that finds fault in others is actually the problem. Now, it's not, I mean, you can't be unrealistic. I mean, if somebody lies to you, you can't, you can't just go, well, I don't care if they lie to me, and just kind of keep acting on the lies that they tell you. I mean, you have to be realistic. Uh, biblically speaking, you have to realize that that person is lying to you and you have to not act on their lies. Somebody gossips to you and talks to you about somebody else, you have to not act on it because it becomes a sin when you act on what they told you because that's when it becomes gossip. And, and so on. So the fault still comes back to you and I think of Paul and he says, I am the chiefest of sinners. My sin is the worst sin. It always comes back to, to me, my sin is the worst sin because the truth is your sin will not keep me from heaven. Your sin will not send me to hell. My sin will send me to hell. And so whatever I see in other people, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to get good at this overnight or whatever, but I think we need to start realizing that the wrong that people do and we detect the wrong that they do, that largely is because it resonates with what's wrong in us. And you want to really be right every time you see wrong in somebody else, just pray for them and move on. Is that don't be unforgiving, don't take revenge, you know those things, right? Just don't dwell on it. Don't even think about it. Just go, whatever, that's you know, that's between them and the Lord. I'm busy dealing with me. And that's something we ought to learn out of the whole pandemic situation. Everything everybody else out there is doing, there's a lot of stuff going on. We hear about all kinds of stuff politically and in, and in the news and everything else. But the truth is, you really have to just deal with what's above your feet. <laughs> that's what you really have to deal with. The rest of it is... Just don't let it affect you to change who you are in Christ. Some of the things that we have done are because we're submitted to the law, like the mask thing, the social distancing thing, not passing the offering plate. You know, those are all things that are recommended by the health department. So we're doing those things. But the truth is, we're doing the things that God has commanded us to do. And if they told us we couldn't do those things, like you can't worship together, we, we would still do it. And we did still do it, and I think we would still continue to do it. You do what God wants you to do. Stop worrying about what the world wants you to do. Stop worrying about what other people are doing. And do what God wants you to do. I, that, was, that really touched my heart. It, came, it all came out of the discussions that we had, talking about how uh, easy it was for the people that were there to get focused on the faults, to get focused on the problems, and to totally miss what Jesus was really talking about. That, that was profound. The other one is, uh, might be comical someday, but it isn't very comical Right now, for me, still, it's a little painful. 
Uh, so I was walking yesterday. I was I took um, so we had a delivery go out to the light station, and the lady got bread that was a little too it was out of date, and we didn't realize that it was in her bag, or whatever. So we and uh, she said the bread stay out. I don't, I don't want the bread. And so I went and got bread that was in date, it was February fourth, and I was over here at the time actually dropping off bread for New Heights, and I. And she lived over on Erie Street, so I drove over there, and there's an apartment complex with a door, and a door, and a door in the front, and then there's apartments in each door. And her, according to her record online, she would live behind the one door. So I went to the door, and I knocked, and I, I called her on the phone, and she didn't answer because I couldn't get in. And she said, okay, I'm coming down. So then I heard movements, so I thought she was coming down, but she never came down. And so then she goes on the phone the whole time. She left her phone in the apartment while she tried to come down. So she goes back to the phone. I hear her coming back to the phone. She goes, where are you? I just came down. I don't see you. And I said, well, I'm standing in front of the door. And I said, do I have the right address? And I read her the address. And she said, no, no, it's, it's the, not 29, 33. So I, I'm walking down the sidewalk. I got her on the phone. I'm talking to her on my phone to go to her door. I've got the bread in my left hand. And I should really put a note on this literally because the sidewalk is extremely uneven. And the next thing I know, I'm literally falling, toppling on the ground, right? So as I go to topple on the ground, I... Um, I was very careful, I tried very hard to protect my cell phone so that I didn't like fall on it and break it, and, and this sounds funny, but, and to protect the bread. <laughs> and so basically, I go, I go like this, and my feet stop, and my body starts to go over, and I go like this, bam, <laughs> and I hit my shoulder and my arm and everything on the sidewalk, but the bread didn't get smashed, and my phone did hit the ground, but it was just the corner of the case, and it didn't break or anything. And I thought, whoo, shoot, gosh, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't, you know, smash the bread or break my phone or break my face, and I'm not seriously injured. I can feel some pains, but I still feel them, but I'm like, I'm seriously injured, whatever. And I went to get up, and when I went to get up, I didn't look, and my glasses were laying on the ground where I was standing up. And I stepped, and my foot landed, not, couldn't have been a half an inch from stepping on my glasses. I never thought about it. And at the time, and that funny thing is, I didn't have to say anything, but I told the lady on the phone, I said, I just fell on your sidewalk. <laughs> I said, but I'm at the right door now, at least. So then she left me on the phone, she came down, and she got the bread, she went back in, and she looked at me like I was really weird. Um, probably because I told her I fell on her sidewalk, I don't know, but anyway. And then I left, and as I left, I'm praying, and I'm thinking to myself, so first of all, I was thinking about how people have become really attached to their cell phones. And... Um, we, we would do well to not be so concerned. You know, if you're paying a couple hundred bucks for your cell phone, you probably ought to stop because at some point in time, it may not work or you might just want to pitch it or whatever like that, you know, and some people are paying a grand. Um, so you want to think that through. But if it's something you need, something that, you know, for your work or for your life, you think it works for you, then I'm not telling you what you have to do. That's up to you. And I thought about protecting that bread. That bread literally cost me nothing. If I had fallen and smashed the bread, it would have cost me nothing. I had, except for time, because I had to drive, probably drive back and get more bread. But other than that, it would have cost me nothing. But it didn't belong to me. That, in my mind, it didn't belong to me. It was her bread. I protected that bread because it was her bread. And so in my act of kindness, I would say this, no good deed goes unpunished. As I protected her bread, I got probably more injured than I would have gotten if I could have just fallen on that nice soft bread and at least protected my wrist. That kind of thing. Um... And then lastly, I asked asked myself, why did I tell her that I fell? Why am I telling you that I fell? And I thought, you know what? Whatever people are making me out to be, whatever people are making you out to be, that is not what you want to be. 
You don't want to be whatever it is that people need you to be, or think they need you to be, or whatever image they're painting of you in their minds, or whatever they're asking with their praise for you to be. You just want to be who God made you to be. You know? And this is who God made me to be. Uh, walking like an idiot, looking at myself. But she wasn't even on the phone. She left it on, but she had left it in her apartment and come down to the door, right? So she wasn't even on the phone. And I'm walking, looking at my phone. Why am I looking at the phone? I had no idea because there was nothing on the phone. Just the little button so I could hang up on her. That was all that was there, you know? And I'm walking to the phone. I got a bread on my hand. Next thing I know, I'm on my side on the ground. Get used to it. That's who I am. I'm messed up. I make mistakes. Um, but, I, but I'll tell you this much. I want to live for God. And I hope you do too. Let's be messed up. But let's make mistakes. But let's keep living for Him. Right? That's the way I look at it. And the and Lord really encouraged me with that. Because uh, <laughs> I've been waiting for myself to arrive. Like I was going to sometime be perfect. You know, get it all sorted out. Get past a lot of my mistakes and stuff. And every day so many things happen that remind me that, nope, that's... You're not there yet. Not there yet. And probably, and I would say, you know, biblically, we know we won't be there until heaven. So, anybody else have one you want to share real quick? Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and pray. And transition tithes and offerings, a little more worship. And give God the glory for making messed up us glorify perfect Him. Mm-hmm. Brother Tim Mitchell, uh, your fellow and music team leader. Oh, hold on. Oh, yes, sir. Please do. My boss just found out. Last Thursday, he has a tumor growing behind his lungs. Oh no! So that's so. So they got? Do they have to biopsy it or figure out what's going on? It's growing, so that's not good. This Thursday, find out what they're playing. Thursday, okay. All right. What's his first name? Joe. Joe. Got that? Joe. Yes, sir. And I like it way to pray for me at the three tests I got coming up. Yeah, the beginning of the month, the two, the six, and the ten. Yeah, they'll be poking yeah, and prodding Frank. Figure out, you know, just exactly how demented he is. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we Frank first test and Joe first humor, and we do this thing. Lord, thank you for all that you bless us with. Thank you for who you are. We ask that you would take these offerings that we give and use them to your glory. Um, we pray for Frank and uh, that things can go well. Serve you as we have served you and, and uh, also pray, pray for Joe and Tumor. I don't even know why some of these things happen, but uh, that's what you can do be glorified from it. And, uh,
this time, Brother R.J. Schultz is going to come and share with us from the Word of God. Part of the reason I couldn't share anything during the inspiration moment is because it's a lot involved in this. <laughs> um, so this started with a couple weeks ago when I was in my youth lesson I was talking to the youth group and I asked them the question why did you become a Christian and I was first off I was surprised how long it took for some of them to answer and then second of all I was surprised at some of the answers I got and I've been really really thinking about that a lot over the last couple weeks and why we become a Christian, why we tell people that becoming a Christian is such a good thing. And, you know, we usually tell them about, well, you can go to heaven, you can you can have the blessings of God, which are great things, but I really, I really felt the Holy Spirit saying there's something deeper in that question that gets completely overlooked. Mm. And it's something that I overlooked. And I... Like I said, I this has been I've been really doing a lot with this over the last couple weeks because what we overlook is so important, but like I said, it gets overlooked so easily. And it's a lot of what I or a lot of the reasons why I became a Christian, one of the biggest things is because I felt I had to change. I felt I had to do something different. Some, there had to be a better reason for living than for money, for a good job, a big house, for having a bunch of lady friends. There had to be something more to life than that. I had no idea what it was. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. I was just like, okay, there's just got to be something better. And, you know, I've, for the longest time, I thought, you know, that's, that's why we become a Christian, is to find that better thing that we're looking for. When, in reality, the, the better thing we're looking for is us. There's, there's nothing in this life that's better than you. And I will explain why in a little bit. Um, so I want to ask everyone in here, not a rhetorical question, I hope some people can answer, why did you become a Christian? When, well, I'm sick because God asked me to, I think, with my, <laughs> that was my main motivator, but, or I felt like God asked me to, but for me, I kind of started where you were talking about, I was looking for something different, and then when I got there six months later, um, it was because I realized that the something different that I was looking for was not going to be filled or met or no matter what, it, it needed God, it was God, that God was going to fill me, God was going to be that thing that I was aching for. The reason I decided to become a Christian is it says, I mean, I can't go as far back to remember. I mean, I was the odd one out of the five kids, but uh, it says one day someone just a uh, fellow Christian or something at one of the churches or something like that when I was walking down the street just happened to say, hey, did you know there's something better? And, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes on and off, you know, fall, keep picking myself back up, but I don't give up. 
I mean, I enjoy being a Christian. I'm, I'm glad I'm the eyeball at home, you know? Because that makes me, I mean, I'm no different than anybody else, but I'm special in his eyes. Yes, right? exactly. And that's all that matters to me anymore. I don't care what you think, you know, the haircut wasn't what you thought it was. Oh, you look funny, you know? I don't care what you think. It's what my father thinks. And that's how I've been living the last, you know, been trying to live each day, you know, knowing that I don't have to impress nobody anymore. As long as my father's happy, I'm happy. Right. Um, at the time, God had been working on me for a number of years. I've been going to, I was going to East Toledo playing softball during the summers, and then I would stop going during the winter months and whatnot. Um, and then uh, finally I, I got more involved and I kept going even when softball wasn't going on. And uh, I felt God leading me towards that conclusion. I think at the time I didn't know exactly what that all entailed, but I wholeheartedly gave my heart to him that day. And, uh, Lover in tears and everything. <laughs> it, was, it was a really sad sight. Um, I'm glad none of you had to lose it. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's just because I had to. I didn't realize it then. I realize it now that God saw that I had to change because I had potential to go down a very bad path. Mm -hmm. Both my parents were alcoholics and other various drugs or whatever, marijuana and stuff like that, and I could have easily slipped down that. I, mean, I was there in my teenage years. And, uh, I feel it because I'm kind of the oddball in my family for that reason. Yeah. And plus, um, I, I just, like I said, I could have went down a really bad path, and I'm glad God got a hold of me when he did. We'll do one more. Do you hear me? All right. You know, like, um, I don't ever see those videos, but they have a cardboard. They'll say, I would do one drug, and they flip them, and they'd say, I've been clean for 20 years. But that would be what mine would say, no answers, answers found. I never heard the truth. I never heard it in my entire life. I went to church every Sunday, but no one ever told me what it meant, you know. And so when that 70-year-old man witnessed to me, um, I didn't say nothing to him, but, like, I couldn't say that he was, like, reading right through me. And when I left... Uh, I just, I bawled in my car and I said, if you're real, my 95 dollars Dakota, if you're real, come into my life, and he, and he did. And uh, <coughs> I, I just, I just felt this, you know, just, I was, for the first time I was weak, because I weak all all my life wondering why I had no way in life, and just, this was a different kind of weak, but it was like, someone was able to, like, actually hold me up while I was crying. And when I got home, 10 minutes from my mom's house, I turned off the, the truck, and I knew I was saved. I had an assurance. There was something in that peace and joy that I could not describe. It just kept coming. I kept telling people all and over. And I guess the thing that, that moved in my life was that God knew the condition of this heart that was dealt very um, unfairly in my life. But God also knew the heart that I was supposed to have. He knew who I was supposed to be and not what I was crippled into and the stuff that I dealt with. You know, and so... Every day he's reassuring that's not who you are. This is who you are. Okay. Uh, 
Alright, so now, all of that is great. That Those are good reasons, and I love it. Because no one here thought of the thing that I found, and that kind of makes me happy. You'll, like I said, you'll see why I promise it's worth it. So this brings me to another question. Why, why should we tell people to become a Christian? That's what they were made for. Our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and we want them to share in that fellowship. All right. It's a better life. Yep. So when we follow God... We're, we're promised to be taken care of. We're promised to be looked after. We're promised to be given all of our necessities. Not necessarily just what we want, but all of the things we're going to need to go forward in life. But again, there's still more to it than just that. And Dan kind of touched on it just a little bit. This is what we're made for. We are meant to be a Christian. We are meant to be followers of God. And this goes all the way back from Genesis and all the way through Revelations. There's so many points in the Bible where you can find where it specifically says, we were made from God. In Genesis 2.7 it says, "Then Then the Lord formed man from the dust of ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. God created us. He created every person. So if you look at it like this, all the parents in the room, you have a child. You helped create that child. You want to bring that kid up and the kid recognizes you. Right? It's the same with God. We are all God's children. We recognize Him. We know He's there. The problem is, is we put it aside thinking that there's a different, it's something completely different. But we know he's there. We hear his voice. And the evidence is plain as day no, to see all the things that prove God is real. But there's this other voice in us that's always telling us, we're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We'll never make it. There's these, there's these lies that keep getting put in front of us that, oh, well, Christians are nobodies but a bunch of hypocrites. There's all these lies that get thrown in front of us through TV, radio, and shows and movies. All these lies that get told about why we are meant to be followers, or followers of God. There's so many lies out there. And this voice that tells us these lies gets so loud that it's so easy to drown out everything else. It gets so easy to just fall, fall into that lie and go, okay, well, this is really who, I'm, who I am. This is really who I'm going to be. And this is something I've been trying to hit really hard with my kids because I don't want them to grow up knowing that that's how the world sees them. Because, like Frank was saying, it doesn't matter what people think about you. You are your own special person. You know why? Because God created you to be that way. So if somebody doesn't like it, they can take it up with God. Because God made you. And He made you for a reason. And that is to glorify Him. To follow Him. 
Because think about it. If everybody on this earth did exactly what God had them to do, man, how great would it be? The problem is, is we let that small little voice or even sometimes the giant yelling voice in our heads to say, you're nothing. You'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything. And then we start believing it and following that instead of the small voice that's telling you you're loved, you're cared for, you're special because I made you. It takes a lot to recognize that small voice. And the biggest reason is is because, like I said, it, the other voice that you hear is so loud of all the evil spirits telling you that you're never going to amount to anything. There, John 10, 27, and 28. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. You notice it doesn't say that they see Him. Because there's a lot of times where this is the parable of the Good Shepherd and how it shows that the sheep follow the shepherd because they know the shepherd's voice. They don't necessarily see Him. There could be hundreds of them, so the, the fact that they could see Him might not be there. But they hear him. So you might not be able to see God right now in this very second or when you're struggling, but you can always hear him. But we have to put away the distractions. Like Dan was saying a little bit earlier, the phones, the electronics, you have to put away the distractions in your life or you will miss that one moment where God is telling you, I'm here. You have to put away the distractions. If there's a distraction in your life that is causing you to not spend more time with God, then that is sin. Video games. Gorging out on TV. Gorging out on movies. Playing games with friends. All of that is good stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you are putting that above God and making that more of a priority, then you will miss the times God is telling you, I am here, listen to what I have to say. We have to be able to be strong enough to put away the distractions or we're going to miss it. And we're going to blow it. And the reason we know God's voice and we hear God's voice is because we came from Him. We were made by Him. He is our Creator. He is our Shepherd. We might not be able to see Him all the time, but we can hear Him every day. And it does not matter what you are going through in your life. It does not matter how bad your life may seem. You can hear God every single day. But you have to put away the distractions. You have to be able to put your foot down and be like, No, God made me to be this person, so I'm going to listen to what He has to say. But again, we find ourselves in those spots where we don't want to do that. Because it's not convenient. It's not convenient to walk four miles in the snow to go serve somebody. 
It's not convenient to get up in the middle of the night and go help somebody in need. We'd rather lay in bed, someone's car breaks down on the side of the road at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're the only person that they can get a hold of. And you're like, oh no, I'm sleeping, I'm going back to bed. And you hang up the phone. What happens if that person is on the side of the road and gets hit by a car and dies? And you could have been there to prevent that. Or what happens when you get a phone call from a friend saying, hey, I just need someone to vent to. And you're like, oh, I'm kind of busy right now, let me call you back later. And you never get the opportunity to call them back because they kill themselves. Don't miss the opportunities God has. If God is telling you, you need to do something, man, you have to put away your distractions. Because anything in your life, there's nothing in your life that is going to follow you to heaven. It's all going to go away. So what is more important than making sure that your friends, your followers of Jesus are taken care of as well? Because they're going to go with you. Your PlayStation, your Xbox... Your phone, your TV, none of that's going to go with you to heaven. But if you can't take a minute to put away the distractions to talk to another person who was created by the same being, if you can't do that, man, we are failing so bad. So when you ask, when you're, when you're, spreading the gospel to somebody and you're trying to get them to become a Christian and you ask, well, and I've had this question asked to me quite a bit. Why should I become a Christian? And I, I tell them, you can go to heaven, you can be blessed. I tell them all that stuff, but I've always left out the simple fact of that's why we were made. That is the exact reason we were made. It's so we can work together as a family, as one body what we were made for. You hear people all the time ask, oh, well, I just... And a lot of what I heard a little bit ago when I asked, why did you guys become a Christian? is because you wanted to find that other, that better thing. That's what we are. We are a better person. And it's because we come from God. In uh, Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in to him and he will dine with me and he will be he with me. God's knocking at the door. He's knocking. He's there. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to get distracted and go, I'll, ha- I'll answer that in a minute? And I, I got to do this first? I got to fix this first? Because that's not what we were made to do. We hear that knock, man. We got to go for it. Because you're going to miss that opportunity. You're going to miss the moment where God can do something absolutely amazing. But he's there knocking at every one. It may come at 2 o'clock in the morning when you're sleeping and it's inconvenient for you to wake up and answer that door. 
But if it's God, you better answer that door. And we all know it's Him. Ruh-roh. <laughs> but we all know that God is here. And the reason we know that is because we were created by Him. God created us. Our kids know our voices before they can even see us. Because when a baby's first born, they don't see. But they can hear. That's right. They can hear while they're in the womb. They can hear their parents before they even ever see them. So that way when they're born, they know where their parents are. That is the same exact way it is with God. We were all born from God. We were all created from God. So we know His voice. There's a lot of times where we can't recognize His face. Or we can't recognize some of the things He does. But man, you hear that voice and you know it's Him. And that's one of the reasons why we become a Christian. is because we know God's voice. We might not be able to explain it at the time because it's all new and different. But we know that voice when we hear it. Saying, look, there is something better. There is something better than what you're going through right now. And yeah, it's not going to be a piece of cake walk in the park life. But there is something better. But we have to be able to hear it. And if you're so distracted with everything else in the world, you're never going to hear it. I something else that I've got was not, one other point was oh man when we realize what God can do we share it once you see the amazing things God can do in your life don't be afraid to let people know. <clears throat> you need to let everyone know that, yeah, there might be a war going on, but come be on the winning side of it. Yeah, there might be days where you think your life is completely worthless, or you think that your life doesn't matter. But God doesn't make things that are worthless. God doesn't make things that don't matter. Everyone matters. Yeah, we've got our differences. We've got our different opinions. But man, why can't we just get along? Why do churches have to be divided because of the color of a carpet? Or because they don't feel like painting the wall a certain color? There's churches out there that are fighting over whether or not every single person should wear a mask. And if they're not wearing a mask, they don't belong in our building. No, if they're there to worship God, it does not matter what they're wearing. You let them in and worship God. I mean, obviously, clothes would be preferable. (laughs) But man... If you're going to argue about letting someone in, 
man, that is not that's not where we need to be. We need to come to the realization that we are all the same. We ain't so different. Like I said though, we have our disagreements, we have our differences, but you know what? When it all boils down, we are all the same. We need to find a way to get along. We need to find a way to make it to where we can work together. Put the differences aside. Focus on what's important, and that's God. Use your differences to come together to be a stronger person. Don't use your differences with somebody to separate yourself, to isolate yourself. For years, I didn't like anyone knowing who I was. I didn't like anyone talking to me. I rather would be off on my own. Even to this day, I still struggle with that. I don't like letting people in. And my wife absolutely hates it. Because I don't like talking. But man, once I do, it feels like a weight got lifted off my shoulders. So, a little bit of wrapping this up is, first off, the reason we are Christians is because that's what we were made for. We were made to follow God. We were made to be His people. And man, did we botch it. But you know what? God's grace gives us the freedom and the ability to redo it. Because He sent Jesus to die on the cross. So we have the ability to fix it. We have the Holy Spirit to fix the problems that we created. All the evil in the world, we created it. But God still loves us so much that He sent Jesus to die so that we can fix it. So you want to know why you were here? You want to know why it's important to be a Christian? Because we have the ability to fix the world. That's why. You hear people all the time complaining, oh, well, you know, so-and-so shouldn't do this because it's bad or this is so wrong. And you know what? Fix it. If something is broken, fix it. I'm a mechanic at heart, so that when I see a broken car, I fix it. When my car's broke, I fix it. When other people's stuff's broke, I fix it. Because I have that ability. God gave us the ability to fix the world and we're botching it. He gave every person on this planet the ability to fix the problems in your life. But yet we get distracted by money, by TV, by sex, drugs, whatever. We get distracted by that instead of realizing that we have the Holy Spirit to fix everything. That's why we are a Christian. So we can fix what we broke. 
So you want to tell people about heaven and about the blessings of God? Great. That do it. That's awesome. Those are good reasons. I'm not saying they're not. But don't forget to tell them that you have the power in you to fix what you broke. Because we all screwed up our lives one way or another. I've made my fair share of mistakes. And I've still got mistakes to make. But with God, we have the power to fix it. Not to just sit back and allow things to happen. Or sit back and complain that, oh, well, someone should go fix that. Or someone should go fix that. No, you go do it. You want a problem fixed? You go do it. Don't wait for somebody else. There's a problem in your life that you need to fix? Then you trust in God and let Him fix it for you. One of my biggest problems is my anger. And I had to have a conversation with Curtis last time I had him because I see that same problem in him. He got mad at Caleb for something and I don't even know the whole story, but he decided that it would be a good idea to Hulk smash his phone on a concrete floor. And he shattered the screen on his phone. The second he did that and realized what happened, he was absolutely distraught. I don't know why I did that. I can't believe I broke my phone and crying, bawling. And so I sat down and told him, I'm like, look, dude, you have a problem. The only one that can actually fix it is you. I can't fix it for you. Your mom can't fix it for you. It has to be you. So you have to realize, is this who you want to be? And I tried, I threw in God. I said, God made us a certain way. But you have to decide, are you going to live the way that the world wants you to live? Are you going to live the way God wants you to live? So we have to make that choice. We have to decide to live the way God has us. We need to not let all of our distractions get in the way. I mean, like I said, that's why we're here. We're here to prove that we have the power to fix our problems. So let's stop blowing it. Put away all the crap in your life and realize that God gave you the power to fix it. Don't worry about getting into heaven. Don't worry about being blessed by God. Because those things will come. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that those things are a given. You will get into heaven. You will get blessed by God. But don't forget to listen to that knock on the door. Because that knock on the door is not going to be no bang, bang, bang like the please. No, it's going to be a light knock. And if you're too busy and you miss it, boy, you're going to miss something. And you're going to miss something big. Don't listen to the lies people tell you about yourself. Don't listen to the lies the world tells you about you because you have a certain opinion. Because it's really easy for the world to put you down. 
It's really easy for other people to put you down. It's really the I think the easiest people that will put you down is your own family. I agree. Because they know you the best. They've lived with you. But man, the smallest things they say can hurt. The littlest things they say can hurt you for the rest of your life. But go back a little bit. But God gave us the power to fix those problems. There's nothing on this planet that we can't fix. I was talking with one of my buddies at work a couple weeks ago. And... He's an older guy, so he's used to working on a lot of the older cars where you didn't just replace parts, you rebuilt parts. And I told him, well, that's the biggest problem now is nobody wants to spend the time to rebuild something. Everybody thinks it's easier to just replace it. Nobody wants to spend time to rebuild, spend an hour and a half rebuilding an alternator. No, it's easy to spend five minutes to take one out and put it back in. Some cases, not all cases, because some of them are not that easy, but... I mean, nobody wants to spend the time to rebuild stuff anymore. Everybody wants to just replace it or just discard it completely. I got news for you. Ain't nobody on this planet going to get discarded by God. And if we have the power to fix things, we need to stop worrying about trying to replace things in our life. If something's not working in your life, fix it. Don't just replace it. If you have an issue spending too much money... Don't go with zero money. Because you're just going to fill that with something else. If you have a problem in your life where you can't keep your anger under control, don't just try to eliminate it completely. Fix it. Because if you eliminate it completely, you're just going to find something else to fill that hole. We have to remember to fix things, not just try to replace things. Even though sometimes it might be easier just to say, well, I'm just going to replace it. I'm going to replace my love for pornography with gambling. Sounds ridiculous. But that's what people do. They replace one thing with another thing and then they realize that this thing needs to be replaced by this thing and it's just a never-ending cycle. Stop trying to replace everything. Or even replace people and just fix the problems. If you look at marriages in the world, the average divorce rate for a marriage is absolutely ridiculous. And then you have people that get married, the only reason they get married is so they can have more money on their taxes. There's people out there that will have a child just so they can claim that child on their taxes to get more money. People don't want to try to fight to fix things anymore. Going back to the beginning, a little bit about what I was saying about why I became a Christian. Part of the reason is, is because I lost my wife. She walked out the door with my kid. And I didn't want to fight for it. I was just willing to let it all go. Until I woke up, 
on Thanksgiving and realized, I can't do this. I built something. I have to, I have to maintain it. I have to keep it maintained. As we're following Jesus, we built something. We started to build something. We started to build our better person. But it takes work every day to make sure that that better person stays in charge. You have to fix things. You have to maintain things. You have to study. It's part of your, I guess you can say, Christian maintenance. You have to study. You have to read. Fellowship with other believers. Spend time in prayer. And I said, I'm a mechanic at heart, so using a lot of analogies like that, my bad. But that's just how I see it. Is we have to work when as we work, things are gonna break. As you get older, things are gonna break. But don't try to replace things. Try to fix things first. If you have a relationship that's falling apart, don't just try to replace it with another person. If you have a friend that's dragging you down, don't try to replace that friend just yet with another friend that's just going to do the same thing. You try to fix that friend and build that friend up. If you have a brother and sister in Christ that seems like they're dragging you down, don't just, oh, well, they're not even a Christian. They're not saved. They, they keep messing up. No. You build that person up. As a church, we should be building the church. We should be building that body of Jesus. Not trying to just replace parts. Because God created one. Church. God created one Jesus. You can't replace it. There's zero replacing for God. There's zero replacements for Jesus. He created one. That's who we are. We are one. We are united. So don't let distractions get in your way. Listen to the shepherd. Listen to the knock on the door. God's knocking, let him in. And last off, man, we have to fix it. We have got to fix what God created. And that includes us. We have to fix it. Because if we can't fix it, then it's not us that's going to suffer. It's our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids that are going to suffer. Even worse than what we have now. If we can't stand up and fix what God has created... There's no more sitting down and going, okay, well, I'll just fix that tomorrow. Just let me finish my TV show and I'll make dinner. No, if your kid's hungry, you get the TV off and you make them dinner.
So I'll end with this. When you go home and you ask yourself, why am I a Christian? Or you go home and you ask other people, why should you be, and they ask you why I should become a Christian, you let them know because that is what God made us to do. To give us the power to fix the world. He gave us that power. It's in all of us. You want to know why you're a Christian? Because you are the power to fix. That's why. Not just because you wanted a better life. Not just because you wanted to be in heaven. The ultimate reason is because now we have the power to fix what God created. And man, God created something amazing. He created an absolutely amazing world. And it's dying. All the bad things that are happening are just Earth's creation groaning because we screwed up so bad. So I say we fix it. Let's come together as one. Put aside the differences. If you don't like somebody, get over it. If they're a Christian and you don't like them, there's a problem. Anybody who is a Christian who has a heart for God should never be not liked. So put aside the petty differences because that's all they are is petty differences. And you stand together and you realize and you fix the problem. So we can have the praise team come up and do a song. And during it, I want everyone to seriously think and consider the fact that, you know, after God flooded the earth, He didn't have to save anybody. He didn't have to send Jesus to die for us. He didn't have to give us those extra reasons, or those, I guess those extra lives you can say. He didn't have to do that. But he did. The least we can do for him is at least try our hardest to fix it. Because he's tried. He wiped out the entire extension except Noah and his family. Because he wanted to fix it. And then he realized that the only way it can get fixed is if his people fix it. Then he sent Jesus to die on the cross as the final example of showing the world that now we have that power in us to fix the world.
with that song is I think it goes one step farther than saying we believe. I think it's we know. Not only do we believe it, but we know it's true. And knowing something and believing something is completely different. Because you can believe something all you want, but that doesn't necessarily mean you know it. But I think we know who God is. We know who Jesus is. And a couple, a couple things. One, on that right there, I think, um, one, uh, according to what the prophets promised, um, even those who have not believed or trusted in the Lord, not become Christians, know in their hearts the truth about God. You know, uh, Romans 1 says there really is now no excuse. There's plenty of knowledge, plenty of testimony to all the incredible character of God. And so people who, like we, we act like when we go to share the gospel, we're bringing up something that that person's never heard before. And while that is true, it maybe in the words that we're using, we need to realize that God himself is already testifying. The Holy Spirit would be sent to convict all men of their sin, for example, all creation testifies. There's plenty of knowledge. I, I've heard of people, I don't know anybody personally, but I've heard of people who essentially got saved because God himself witnessed to them, and that's that's how they came to learn. Or, uh, you know, we hear the stories about people who maybe picked up a Bible and read it, and nobody talked to them, but they read in there, uh, maybe especially if they read like John chapter 3 or places like that, and they began to realize that they needed to be born again, they needed to accept. Now they would always go to Christians for clarification, and every one of those stories pretty much they wind up in the church. But a few people will say they got saved because of the Bible or God did that. Um, I think it's interesting, this other thing is that we were talking about, um, it's a dangerous topic because uh, telling people that, that they can fix it, if you're not saved, you realize that um, essentially you're a slave to sin and you really have no freedom. And people do, people feel like, I'm trying to fix it. <laughs> Heck man, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that, I, I'm trying to cut out the bad things and let God's things be, or, or even good things to feel like they're trying to fix it and they can't fix it. Um, but I absolutely agree with you in the fact that uh, the power that God bestows, so this is what I think Christians do sometimes, they realize, okay, I'm surrendering to God, okay, because I'm surrendering to God, God's got all the power, I got nothing, I'm worthless, I'm a piece of junk, so God's going to have to fix me, and they start fresh, born again as a Christian, and they keep their hands up like this. Like, I, I can't fix anything now. I'm born again. Yeah, everything's everything's good. Now, I confess to the Lord I was failed. Not, I make mistakes. And God's going to have to fix it. I can't fix it. I can't do anything. But that is not actually what Scripture teaches. And that's what you're getting at, I think, is that the power of God in us to fix things is real. You know, we were creators. We were created by God in His image to represent Him. And that means human beings were created as creators. And then what are we create, boy, if you're not saved, you're creating some pretty bad stuff all the time. You know, we're always going around making a mess. That's what we're doing if we're, before we get saved. Once you get saved, that doesn't make you not a creator. Now you're a creator again. Now you're making things. You're renewing things. You're regenerating things. Every time you share the gospel, somebody has a chance to get saved. Every time you read the word, every time you pray, you have that, you get something is being, as you said, built, rebuilt. And yeah, God's the one really doing the work in us. But we have the, the final free will, if you will, to stop that. We have to join the fight. We have to be part of what God is doing. And it's so clear about when it comes to evangelism is where it sort of rubber meets the road because you go share the gospel with somebody, then they might make a decision. Now the truth is, the Bible says, no one comes unto the Lord except he be called. So they were probably already getting called before you share the gospel. I'm thinking all the times I've seen people pray, and I 
I can't think of once that that person, uh, that, there was, that I couldn't see evidence of God already working in their life and calling them to Him, right? Even though they didn't see it before. And I've had a lot of people with the life station, especially Brother Tony Kate, not wasn't at the life station, but he gives a good testimony about that. How, yeah, they kind of knew it was sort of out there or whatever, but nobody just explained it clearly to them. They couldn't put their finger on it. They didn't understand. They hadn't heard the gospel. And then suddenly they hear it and they go, yeah, duh, that makes sense. And so I, I'm with you completely. I think it's too often that as Christians we go, well, God has the power and I have nothing. Then God makes us reborn and we just keep our hands up. And go, oh, I have nothing. I have nothing. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. You know, everybody's going to hell in a handbasket. It's not my fault. As long as I'm in church and worship and give a little money and, you know, and serve, or whatever, but it's not my fault, you know. And when I got saved, I remember God pushing us into the ministry and going to the Sunday school like that and wanting to teach. But we never told anybody about Jesus. or really, We always make, try to make our decisions accordingly. But we really never lived for Jesus in the sight of anyone outside the church. You know, we're teaching on Sunday, on Sunday school and stuff like that. And I think it was because our hands were up. Like, I can't fix it. The world is messed up. It's going to hell in a handbasket. I can't do anything about it. But we literally have everything at our disposal, in God, of course, but everything at our disposal, to fix it. And uh, so I, I agree with you 100%. But for a lost person, it's a dangerous topic. If you go and try to tell them to fix it, they, they really can't fix it. As long as they keep trying to fix it, that's what the, the enemy wants us to do that. You know what I mean? He wants us to keep our wheels spinning. Oh, we're doing lots of activity, but never really getting anywhere. But when you surrender to God, you really, like you said, you really do get the power to fix some amazing things. Just don't start thinking you're, you know, don't become prideful about it. It's it's God's power. It belongs to Him. He's sharing it with us. And of course, then that touches on stewardship, which is our spiritual discipline. You know, everything that we're entrusted with, which includes the power, like you're talking about, that God, we can fix it. Amazingly enough, you can you could literally go into people's lives, you can do some pretty dangerous things. Like, for example, if what if you, as a Christian, went and told somebody, look, you need to not have a cell phone. You just need to not have it. Look at all the trouble people get into with it. And, and you tell them that God wants them to not have a cell phone. And if they don't know God and they haven't heard God's voice, whatever like that, they might go, you know what? Look at all the trouble I've gotten into with my cell phone. I can't have a cell phone. And they make a law or a rule for their life. I can't have a cell phone now. I'm never going to do that. I'll never have a cell phone. And, and that becomes part of their religion. You know? False religion. So... We, we have to be careful about that and really it all comes down to the gospel. Um, the message touches my heart. I don't know if anybody else is affected, but I'm, I'm one to say at a certain point, hands up, I can't do it. I just want to stop. I'm going to give up and let God just handle it and put people in His care. And I think that once you've done that, you have a responsibility. It's like when, uh, like when you're working on my car, for example. I can't fix it. But you can fix it because you have the knowledge and ability and you start fixing it. That doesn't mean I can't be available to get a tool, to buy a part, things I can do, you know, or to bring a drink of water or, uh, you know, for consultation. Like, if it, should I fix this? Should I replace this? Should I buy this? Whatever. I can be available. And that's and that's where we are with God. And when we, when we run into something that we just have to say, okay, God, I can't do this, but you can do this, then we shouldn't stop praying. We shouldn't stop being available. We should, and if necessary, preaching. Be careful about preaching because it's not meant to be a, neat, a nasty thing. But um, shouldn't stop preaching. Shouldn't stop encouraging. You know, keep coals on the heads of your enemies. Sure, but how do you do that? Jesus said, "By loving them." 
providing them a cold drink of water and like that. So we're not out of the mix. We really can make a difference in this day. And I think God's calling us to do that. So good word in that regards. I don't know if else has anything they want to chime The biggest in. thing I like is the word pissing. Yeah. You know, because I deal with different things at the house and stuff that people don't do and stuff like that. And it's like, why do I keep getting upset? And then he brought it to my attention by what he was talking about today. Don't complain about it. Just go fix it yourself. And the problem is fixed. You don't have to worry about it anymore. The heck with those people that don't want to do nothing. Go fix it yourself. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, people are more likely to follow you, listen to you, whatever when you are actively fixing the problem than they are when you're complaining about the problem. Exactly. Even though they might stand around complaining, they might you might fellowship with them over a complaint. They they love to hear you complain. Let's all stand around and complain. It'll be great. Or let's throw some fits and throw some vulgarity in there. You know what let's let's all tell us how bad this is and we can jump on the bandwagon to complain. But the truth is, if you start moving in the right direction, then sometimes people will get on the bandwagon and they'll start moving in the right direction too. And that's, that helps them. That's a really, that's a good word too. Were you going to say something? Yeah, just, um, just a powerful message. Um, this came out last year when we talked about knowing and then having the guts to do it. You know, G.I. <laughs> Joe had this one saying, I'll never forget it. It was like two shows I was thinking of. And um, the one was G.I. Joe and it was at the end they would do a safety thing like if your house was on fire, how to take care of it, or still was on fire or you were in a fight with a bully or whatever, and uh, the G.I. Joe guy would come in, and uh, he would say, kids, to do this, you need to do this and this, and they were, they learned, he taught them. And then they would look and they go, well, now we know. And he would always look back and say, knowing is half the battle. Knowing is good, but it's only half the battle. True battle, you know, I'm talking to myself as well, you know, is we, we know what to do, but you, it's like, yeah, now you know it, but what are you going to do about it? Or yeah. we can say as Christians, who are you going to do this for? You know, and so knowing who he is and knowing who we are, that we have to do something. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I wanted to just encourage everybody to actually pray for you. Once again, you can call me, text me. I'll tell you these, there's four things that the Lord really, um, like I said, I was rebuked heavily. Um, and um, I, I don't think if, I honestly, I heard one person say it before, if the Lord wills something, and all you gotta do is walk into it. Amen. Because it's not your will, it's his will. And just walk into it. And I'm gonna walk into these things and I just know by his mercy and his grace there's gonna be some you know, and as Brother Dan shared the other day, you know, when you're praying for someone, you may think you're praying to change them enough, but really you're doing is you're changing yourself. Right. And it just kinda of started happening. Um, I've been half hearted, I've been going through a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. I mean, a uh, uh, courage and message which would help as well, but at the same time, I can't sit on that boat anymore and sit on that fence. You know, there's people that, you know, they do need me to pray. I've been given a gift to pray. I've been given a gift to do things. These gifts, you know, they don't matter in heaven. And, you know, your rewards, but like I told my kids, I tell myself, you only have so many moments to show love. Because when you're in heaven, it's, there's no condition to love. You will love. You, you, you will be holy. You will be perfect. Not as like God, but perfect as in Christ, which is God. But the idea is you will be everything that you never could be. Right. Because you're no longer you. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. Right. But for now, God's workmanship, the Lordship over us, working us to be more like Him. Amen. So let it be. So what else?
Are we good? All right. Okay, so we're going to close in prayer at this time. We don't have any meetings or anything like that to do specifically. I have a couple scheduled, but y'all get to go and serve Jesus right in your context, wherever you are, and I hope to share uh, the gospel with somebody or um, uh, ourselves strive to reach the next in Jesus. Okay. I'm going to ask Brother uh, Chris Grill, would you pray for us in closing? Please. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for bringing us here, uh, for letting us hear the word. Uh, keep us safe as we go about our days. Uh, bring us back here next week. And we'll stay Amen. Thank you very much. Go to the church.